This is your coffee break. Hey friends, Sarah from the Right Now podcast here. I am back again this week with author Katie Cross, who just does about a million things. She's been published three years as an indie publisher. Um, She writes fantasy. She writes chiclet. She has 40,000 followers on Wattpad. She has an 18-month-old son. She's a military wife. She does all of the things. Welcome to the show, Katie. Hello. Thanks for that awesome introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like I've only just scratched the surface with these things. So I would love if you would just start us off with a little bit about your your journey as a writer and, and how you got to be where you are. Oh, yeah, of course. So I think just about like about any writer out there, I started writing uh, long before I started publishing. So mm-hmm. I started, I think like in first grade, I remember writing stories in my journal. And uh, I just always wrote, I was always writing. And I didn't think anything of it. It was just something I loved to do. Uh, I went to college, I got my bachelor's in nursing and worked as a full time nurse for a long time. And I still kept writing. And then I married my husband, who is a, an army officer. And we were moving every six months for training for him okay. for the first couple years of our marriage. It was really crazy. And it's hard to transfer your nursing license and find a job in a state for like six months. So I decided to just try out writing. And I started writing my first book, which was horrific. And I threw it away. <laughs> and I don't think anyone should read it unless it's under torture. I started writing what has now become Miss Mabel School for Girls, which was my first young adult fantasy novel. So it's just kind of built upon itself over the years. So it sounds like this was um, this was kind of always a dream and you finally kind of had the chance to pursue it once your life situation kind of, I don't know, just shifted to kind of accommodate that? Yeah, kind of. I honestly hadn't ever thought of writing for people. I just wrote for myself because I just genuinely loved to write because I was a huge reader growing up. I won awards in elementary school for how much reading I did. Because you're and awesome. So I, no, <laughs> well, just naturally led to writing, I think. And it wasn't until I was in my like early to mid 20s that I even let another person read one of my stories. Like I didn't even let my mom read my stories. It was just a very personal thing. And then I still wanted to write and I didn't really have anything else to do because I couldn't get a job. So I was like, well, you know, maybe there is something to this whole publishing thing. And I just dove right in. I know it's hard to let other people read what you've written. Can you tell me a little bit about what let you finally do that or or what was sort of the final straw? And you're like, okay, fine, I'm going to let somebody read this. Yeah, I was writing while I worked as a nurse and I lived with my best friend, Tara. And for some reason, we were out to dinner one day and I was talking about this story idea that I had. She was one of the first people I ever even told I wrote. Like, no one when I grew up even knew. And we started uh, just plotting out this idea, two friends living together. And we were kind of living vicariously through this story (laughs) I was going to write. And I started writing that, and I would just let her read snippets. And I didn't blow up, and she didn't laugh at me, and no one died. So I was like, (laughs) oh, okay, so this is okay. You know, people can read my stuff. And I started writing different stories, and I sent one of them to my cousin, Christy, and she would read it and give me feedback. And it was actually, I realized it was kind of fun. But then uh, I, you know, we got married, and things got busy, and I kind of dropped all those stories. And then I started again on a website called Fan Story. It's Mm -hmm. like a, just a big website where people come together and, 
share stories and, you know, you can earn money on the website by reading and commenting on other stories and use that money to advertise. It's kind of a fun little community. I was on there for a couple months and that is where I really learned to let people read my stuff and critique Mm -hmm. it. And that's how I got better and eventually was brave enough to publish. What was one of the biggest, uh, I guess, lessons you learned in having other people critique your writing? To shut up. That was probably (laughs) the biggest lesson I learned because, I mean, some people are great critiquers and some people are horrible critiquers, but either way, I learned I just need to be quiet and learn how to weed that out. So getting critique is really hard, especially when you first start. I think it gets easier as you go, but the truth is that they're coming at your story from an angle you'll never be at, and they can, even the haters can offer some really good insight. So most of the time, I just, I tamp down all the defensiveness and listen to what they have to say and give myself a day or two to space out my emotions. And then I dive into it with a more professional hat on. But I I learned that even people who aren't saying super nice things all of the time, I mean, if they're being jerks, I just ignore them. But there's always a new angle to come at the story and you can learn a lot about what you're writing that way. I really appreciate that. That's, um, I also get very emotionally connected to what I've written. Yep. And so, yes, like, don't call my baby ugly. But, you know, sometimes, the, you know, there's, sometimes there's some Sometimes it's truth. an ugly baby. Some, mean, yep. yep. <laughs> exactly. I know that you run a blog for indie author parents. I would love to hear how you handle writing as a parent, especially with your husband being deployed for a large part of the year. Um, what does your work-life balance look like and, and how do you do that? <laughs> it is like totally insane. And it varies day to day. I learned early on, especially when I first had my son, that it, it was never going to be something I could predict really the day before. I could set up and prepare for the next day, but I just never knew how it was going to happen between things on deployment or my husband having to leave unexpectedly or um, my son getting sick. So what I found is that little things add up to big things over time, meaning even if I only get an hour of writing, which is awesome, um, or 20 minutes of actual working on my manuscript, then that's 20 minutes I wouldn't have had otherwise. And if I do 20 minutes every day for 10 days, that's 200 minutes of work that I've managed to like work in over time that I like, if I didn't do none of that work would be done. And I've, I've learned to appreciate that in big ways. The other thing I've learned is the power of a team. Mm. I have an amazing team that works for me. I've been like the luckiest indie author ever because I just have this fantastic team. I have a graphic designer that works for me, an ebook formatter, an interior typesetter, a virtual assistant that I bring on whenever I can, and a host of beta readers and a, a whole team of editors that I can just pitch the stuff to them and say, okay, this manuscript's ready, format it for the ebook, or this is ready, make the paperback beautiful. And I don't have to worry about those things. So I've learned how to let go of controlling what I don't have to control. That is, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think, I mean, there I know very um, successful indie authors that do almost everything themselves and they do it very well and they're extremely successful. That's just not a reality in my life right now between uh, managing home and baby and further works and already done works and the blog and the business side of things. Mm. I've just learned to like segregate out and let other people have it. And it's been fantastic. (laughs) 
I love it. I love it. That that takes so much. Um, I don't know if it's if the word I'm looking for is like grace or humility or just a willingness to let other people help you, which is so hard in our culture when we take so much pride in doing everything ourselves. But I love that. I want to ask, how did you put that team together? It was kind of piecemeal at first. And I think it was almost, I lucked into a lot of them. So (laughs) my cover designer, Jenny Zemanek with Seedlings Design Studio, she's so talented. It makes me sick. She (laughs) actually runs a book blog and she had featured one of my books on her book blog because of a friend that I had networked into. And I went on there to like thank her for her review. And I saw that she was a graphic designer and I looked at her stuff and I just messaged her and I was like, I need someone for my next book. I love your stuff. Let's start working together. And I didn't realize the dire need I would have of a graphic designer until later. Mm-hmm. And she um, was like, okay. So she just took over and it's just been magic from there. She does ads for me. She does covers. She does all kinds of things. I just announced, I paired with the food blogger and I'm releasing this cookbook that ties into to my chick lit series and what? Jenny actually designed the whole interior of the cookbook. I mean, it was gorgeous. And then my typesetter, Chris Bell with Athos Arts, his wife is an author and he did the typesetting for her paperback. And she won my book, Miss Mabel's School for Girls on a Goodreads giveaway and awesome. just sent out a message to me and was like, I loved your book. I couldn't stop reading it. And I'm also an indie author and I'd love to just, you know, connect. And my husband like did typesetting and you should look into it. And long story short, I read her book and I was like, this seriously looks like it's like traditionally published. Like there's not a flaw, like this is perfect. Mm. So I contacted Chris and he started typesetting my paperbacks. And then my editing team is Quill Pen Editorial. Catherine Payne runs that. And she was actually a friend of my old editor that I'm not working with anymore. And she and I kind of started together. Like she was just starting an editing business as I was starting to publish. And we've worked together for almost 10 books now. And her business has grown. So she has a team of editors that work for her. And I use almost all of them on my projects. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of gone outwards from there. My ebook formatter, Kella Campbell, with ebooks done right. She was just someone that I found online one day and I don't even know, I think I found her blog and commented and we hooked up on Facebook and we're just friends on Facebook and I had just, somehow I knew that she knew stuff about ebooks. I was like 10 days away from releasing my first book and I thought ebook formatting was like super easy. So I was like, <laughs> oh, I'll just Google it. It won't be a big deal. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in so much trouble. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. This looks terrible. And I just messaged Kella and I was like, so how do I format an ebook I have 10 days (laughs) she was like oh it's kind of complicated but I actually do this for a day job so I can totally help you out so she did this rush job and bailed me out and I've never looked back she's been my ebook formatter ever since (laughs) so I can attribute most of my success in pulling this fantastic team together just through networking and and being visible as an indie author and having my journey out there on social media it just naturally other people respond that are doing the same thing and I've been able to network with great success to people that help me be successful that's awesome do you have a, a tip for listeners about so say they're on social media maybe they're frustrated it's not the networking tool they hoped it would be would you have any advice for them Oh, that's a great question. So I would start with just finding people on social media that like something about them clicks with you. Because I feel like if social media doesn't feel like it's working well or doing anything for you, you're probably not following the right people. 
I feel like once you have the right people in your lineup and you like their content and it really resonates with you, you're going to be on it more often. You're going to engage with them and you're going to find those contacts. So that's probably where I would start. I know you write full time and it sounds like you seriously write all the time. I mean, do you write 40 hours a week? Do you write 80 hours a week? I mean, you are you are creating so much amazing stuff. Oh, thank you. So it's it's so tricky how it works out because I really probably work anywhere from 20 to 30 to 40 hours, depending on if I have a book release uh, coming out soon. And it's all just kind of worked in where I can. I would say on average, like typical work week without a book release, I'm probably doing about 20 hours a week. I found a couple of ladies in my church that are also moms that have young kids under two at home and needed like babysitting so that they could work. So I organized this like mom swap. So there's three of us and there's three kids under the age of two. So all the kids are the same age and we just swap out. So every Wednesday I take all the kids for three or four hours. And then Monday and Friday, I take my son over to their houses and then I get three to four hours. So I really get six to eight hours a week of free childcare that way because I just take those kids on Wednesday. And I was doing it originally with one other mom, but that wasn't quite as efficient as two because Mm. you just add one more kid and it's chaos anyway. So (laughs) might as well just add one more, but you get an extra day that's like three to four hours. So that has helped me find a lot of extra time. And then Nap time, no matter what, is always work time for me. Uh, Absolutely always. And when my husband is deployed, I hate to say it, it's actually a bit more convenient for my business (laughs) because he's he's not home. And so as soon as it's bedtime, it's like work time for mom. And I can get three to four hours a night that way. When he's home, I spend some time with him. But I still get about an hour or two every evening. And he's actually switching careers right now. So he's going back to school. So he has online classes he does at night. He's had to do a lot um, at the library away from home, which has just left me more time to work. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so the schedule is a little bit slippery because like last week my son was sick and the week before that both moms were out of town. And so it doesn't. it's not perfect. It's not like every week I get eight hours of uninterrupted work time. But, you know, it works. And actually my son is going through that this crazy phase where he's like terrified if I even like walk out of the room and he mm. just freaks out. So I can't leave him at one of my friend's houses because he just cries the whole time so what I do is I just take my computer and I sit on the floor and I just work at her house with all the kids running around I'm really blessed that I can like work in chaos and I actually work really well with chaos around me which makes it great to be an entrepreneur and a mom (laughs) (laughs) so I, I think just being flexible has helped me increase my hours despite having to keep him and my dogs and my husband alive in my house running um And I, I really feel like my awesome team contributes to my ability to put out great content because they work behind the scenes to help me like make all of this happen. You've referred to what you do as a business and you referred to yourself as an entrepreneur. And I think this is really important because it's not something a lot of writers do. Can you tell me a little bit about what it means to be a writer or an author and to treat yourself as a business or a business person? Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm actually really glad you brought this up because I also agree this is very understated in the self-publishing and indie publishing world. I realized quickly once I got into self-publishing that there was so much more to it than writing. Everyone always said to me, well, we'll just write your next book and, and things will be better once you have more books. But 
I was like, I have more books, but I don't have more sales. Mm -hmm. And I, and I felt like I was in over my head. I had all these taxes. I didn't know I had to pay. Mm -hmm. I had, um, over, I didn't even know what the word overhead meant, you know, and, and there's just a lot going on. And I finally realized like, this is taking a lot of time. Like this is a job unto itself. What I decided to do was start treating indie publishing as a business and, and kind of putting on a different hat. So there's the creative side where I'm writing and creating great content, but then there's the business side where I kind of buckle down and say, okay, I have quarterly taxes to pay, Hmm. or I'm going to like review these ads that I ran on Facebook. Did they help me at all? And the other thing I've done in like starting to actually just call myself an entrepreneur, once I started giving myself kind of the affirmation almost like this is my business, I am the head of this publishing company, I need to treat it as such. Once I made myself take it seriously, it helped me change my perspective. And Mm -hmm. something I do that helps me keep that hat on to remember like this is a business and I need to work at it like a business is to follow the right people. So there's a couple that I love. Uh, Brilliant Business Moms is a blog and a really good podcast that it's all of like catered to mompreneurs is what they call it. Like people like me who are running a business from home while they have kids or husband or, or looking forward to having kids or whatever. They do a lot of kind of marketing help. They do a lot of like interviews where they just look in depth at this, like a person's business and talk to them about it to kind of generate other ideas for other moms with business. That helped me out a lot. Another one is called Biz Chicks with Natalie Egdahl. Yes. Do you know that one? I know her. Yeah. Oh, I I like fangirl over her every time a new (laughs) podcast comes out. And she's so good at what not watering down business, but making it accessible to me. And I'm not like an MBA. I I majored in nursing. So I'm like the other spectrum (laughs) of knowledge. I'm like, give me a sick child and I can get them healed. But I don't know what overhead is. I don't know what a mastermind is. So listening to Natalie Agdahl's podcast on the biz chicks has helped me just rephrase my view of publishing and and to see it as a business and to see that I have customers that I need to cater to. And that has really changed everything, especially in blogging. I realized that I was blogging kind of for myself Hmm. and just writing what I wanted to say and put out there. But actually, I needed to be blogging for the people that are following my blog. And that kind of pivoted my business and just turned it a totally different way. Did that change how you wrote at all when you realized, oh, I shouldn't be writing this for myself, I should be writing it for my audience? How did that change the way you were writing? It changed the way I was writing my blog posts and interacting on social media, but it hasn't it hasn't changed my, my genre fiction mm-hmm. at all. It might have changed a little bit of what I did on Wattpad, but um, in terms of like my fantasy and published books, that continued. It did, however, change the way I approached Uh, marketing those books Mm. and myself. Uh, Once I started recognizing myself as an entrepreneur, as someone running a business from home, it more created like a mental click for me where I was like, this is not a hobby. Like this is a job because I, I know that a lot of other indies out there are are just like me in that when someone says to me, so what do you do for a living? I just say, oh, I'm a, I run a business from home because I'm afraid <laughs> to say I'm an author. Because <laughs> I just think people have just like the most random responses. And no one's ever been mean to me. But hmm. I just feel like there for a long time, I feel like there wasn't a lot of legitimacy in that. Because then when they're like, oh, well, who's your publisher? It's like, oh, well, I, I published myself. And they're like, oh, because you couldn't get someone else. And it's like, no, actually, I didn't even try because I just went for it. But that's 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 a very vulnerable place to be when you're like putting that out there and people are kind of like 
not shooting you down, but making it small. Mm. And I was letting it make it small. I was letting myself make it small. And once I realized that, I was like, I'm like self-sabotaging here. I need to back up and give myself the legitimacy of I am an entrepreneur. I am running a business from home and I am going to rock it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I appreciate that so much. You, you don't even know. I, I was, I've been taking notes as you've been speaking. And oh, <laughs> I just, well, I, I just wrote this down um, that people make it small. You are legit. I just put little hearts and stars all around this on my notepad <laughs> here. So I wish you could see it. <laughs> so, so kind of to that point, there's something we haven't touched on yet. And that is you are um, an indie author by choice. I would love to hear because people do make it seem small. They do. And and I'd love to hear about why you chose indie and why you're staying indie and just what the future holds for you. Oh, yeah. I love talking about this. So I found out about self-publishing after I had been writing on that fan story website for a while. I had, didn't even know what it meant. I didn't know anything about it. So I just kind of started looking into it. And the more I looked into it, the more I was like, this rocks. Like, <laughs> you have control over everything. And it looks like there's a lot of, like, really big pitfalls to it. But there's pitfalls to everything. And the idea of sending my book to an agent just didn't appeal to me. It just... I'm, I'm a very results-driven person. Mm. Uh, I, I thrive if I can do something that brings results, especially right away, which is why I think writing is so rewarding to me because I can look back and I'm like, oh, I just wrote 4,000 words. So self-publishing seemed to, to be something that could give me those results under my own power, so to speak, where mm. I could drive the engine and say, well, I don't want to wait two years to release my book just because you've got like this thing going on and you have all these people and they're busy. I just kind of want to do my own thing. And I've looked back on it because I've wondered myself, like, why I went down this route. Because there are definitely nights where I'm like, what was I thinking? (laughs) Um, I realized that I was definitely, I felt a call to the challenge Hmm. of indie publishing. And every indie publisher that loves it that I've spoken with is kind of the same way. Almost all of them will say they self-published for the control and they love a challenge. Or they just love kind of doing their own thing. You know, we're all kind of creative weirdos in some way. (laughs) And I have never looked back. I've had, I mean, in terms of like what's in my future, I have tons of book ideas that will just continue to grow and develop. I have two series. One is finished. One is halfway done. And then one epic fantasy series that I'm starting. I've have the first two books outlined and I'm working heavily on the first book. And I have all these other ideas planned in the future. And sometimes I consider the idea of going hybrid, you know, like mm-hmm. submitting a, a totally separate manuscript outside my current worlds to an agent and then having them take it their way if it's accepted. I haven't decided on whether I do that. I think there's a lot of benefits to at least having your name on a huge distribution and then having an even bigger backlist where mm. I would just rake in all the royalties. But, but the truth is, I don't know if I'd end up doing that because my books continue to grow every month. My following continues to grow every month and, and I'm making 70% royalties in most places. So part of me just thinks that it's not worth it yeah. to turn it over. When I'm really enjoying this entrepreneurship, this idea of moving this engine forward under my power, but that is definitely something that's in my head. I think there is a lot, I have a lot of respect for traditional publishing. I think they do great things. I think they have done great things and I think they will do great things. And I know lots of traditional authors and I love all of them. And I, I respect the fact that indie publishing really isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. So when I say I felt a call to it and I love the challenge, 
and that so many people say that those are the people really that you're going to find <laughs> driving their own engines forward, trying to be entrepreneurs in a publishing world that really until the last like 10 to 15 years hasn't been friendly to that. And there are some people that are not made for self-publishing. <laughs> I have lots of friends that just aren't interested and, and wouldn't thrive well under that. And I think that's fantastic because it, it just creates difference. And, yeah. and I love that. But I will say I have, I've never regretted my decision. I've wondered if it was my best decision, <laughs> but I've never regretted it because I've learned so much about myself and, and I've become a different person because of the different places it's taken me without me expecting it to. So I, I really loved it, but I, I would definitely caution people not to feel like they have to and, and to not be afraid to not be a self-publisher <laughs> because it's a world that just isn't made for everyone. That's the thing is you, you hear a solution on a podcast or you read it in a blog and you're like, oh, that's the right decision for this person. So it must be the right decision for me. So I, I appreciate you saying that because that's not always the case. It's not for everyone. I just think it cuts creativity and enjoyment and just makes more problems if, if it's just not your route. I mean, I just wouldn't even go there if it's not your route. And there's absolutely no shame in that. You are a person who has a lot of energy and a lot of drive. Can you tell me a little bit about where that comes from? Oh, gosh, a lot of Dr. Pepper 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so my weakness. I, I love it so much. I restricted myself to a can a day. And I, I, I normally just dive into it during book releases. But <laughs> that is awesome. That certainly helps a lot. You know, I think a lot of it just really comes from my personality type of being a results oriented person mm. and, and a creative at that. I think being a driven personality is something I have always been in in various forms. And it's actually something I feel very um, self-conscious about. Really? Yeah. Um, I know there are people out there who are listening who will probably understand this, so I hope they hear it. But I thrive in getting results. I love doing new things and trying new things and exploring and having adventures. But often <laughs> it's, it's like a, it's a point of... I don't want to say shame because that's too strong, but sometimes I'm insecure about it because people will, will make comments about it. Like, uh, for example, and, and this is by no means said in a bad way, and I love my friends whom this happened to and they know it, but there's a I have three or four girls that once a month we do a sky call and just catch up on like our goals that we set and how writing is going and how our life is going. It's just like a kind of a commiseration group, and I love these girls to death, but one day, this last one, I was like 30 minutes late to the Skype call because my son had, a, I don't know, his brain exploded. It often happens, <laughs> you know, he just, his life is so hard. And I, I got into the Skype call late and they're like, hey. And, and so I kind of hung back to listen to what was going on. And, and they were like, so how's it going, Katie? And I was like, oh, it's, it's so busy right now. I'm so excited. Like we're announcing this cookbook and I'm redoing some content and I, and I'm, I'm doing this and I have this story going on and I, I might start freelancing. And so I told them about it and they all just kind of stared at me. And then they just, one of them just burst out laughing. It was like all three of them had just been talking about how they couldn't get motivated to do anything. <laughs> and, they, and then I like breeze into the conversation and like shoot out this list of awesome <laughs> things I have going on. And, and they were totally fine. They were so sweet about it. But I felt super insecure because there have been so many times when Drive has intimidated other people or like scared them off a little bit. And um, that, I think that Drive got me through nursing school. I, I was barely 20 years old when I got my RN. Wow. Um, and so it's kind of a point of 
of just something I'm aware of when when people ask me about it because I don't I don't want them to think I'm like this machine. I, I just enjoy what I do and I love challenges and and results, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I so I work hard to get those and, and I love to work, honestly. I, I like I like working hard. So I don't know if that answered your question. I think I went off on a tangent. No, <laughs> that you know what? I I love this. You said you hope that someone who needs to hear this is able to hear it. And I think I was one of the people who needed to hear this. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm also very, very driven. I love creating things. If I'm not doing something new or learning something new, I get bored very quickly. I get cranky. Yes. I, it's just not a good place for me. And, um, and I've, I've had people also say very similar things about me. And it kind of, it kind of does make you question, oh, is there something wrong with me that I'm, you know, I'm so much more driven to do and create things than other people. But no, that's just, it's your personality. It's who you are. And it lets you do amazing things. So I, I love that you brought that up. So thank you. For me, I feel like it questions my ability to fit in with everyone else. And mm. I don't want it to do that. But then I feel like I can't be authentic either. Yeah. Because it's like, this is just who I am. Like, this is just what I do. <laughs> and I love it. And it's great. But when people get like a little bit intimidated by it, or just like, like, I've had people say like, you're, you go way too fast for me. Like, don't like, you're doing way too much. I look bad. And it's like, well, it's not like I'm doing this to make no. you look bad. Like, <laughs> like no. buddy, you're not in this at all. So yeah, it does like occasionally make it hard to be truly authentic with people, but I've also just learned that you just got to do you and and you'll call the right people to you and and those people will stay and those are the ones that kind of matter. Like you and your friends, like you and your team, it sounds like you just are surrounded by a network of amazing people who are supportive of what you're doing and that is so so valuable. Yeah, and that's really why I started my blog like geared towards indie author parents because you know, it's hard enough being an indie and getting exposure and figuring out how to market and how to sign up for an ISBN and, and do all these little things. You have to like put on all these hats really fast and sort them out. And there's so much power in tribe and in commiseration mm-hmm. and solidarity and being able to say to someone, I'm just so frustrated. My kid like is driving me nuts and I didn't get to write and, and having them just say, I got your back. I understand. And, and then having a place to go where you can find the information you need. Uh, that was a big motivation behind me kicking that blog off, uh, gearing it towards indie author parents. Another thing is when I was pregnant, I was terrified because I was working like nine, 10 hours a day. I was cranking out novels. I was doing great. And I knew that was going to come to a screeching halt. So mm-hmm. I looked everywhere. I was trying to find someone that could help me find what to expect. Like, I just wanted to set realistic expectations for myself and my business. Yeah. And no one had the answers. I was like, can you write with a newborn? Like, that was very scary for me, uh, not being able to set realistic expectations. And it was rough, like, after my son was born. And, and I was trying to juggle all of these things. And that was the other reason I started that blog is because I want there to be a place for people to go that have those questions or just need some help. Like, I don't know how to manage this situation. What have you done? And and I just think there's there's so much power in being able to do that. Oh, I agree so much. If people are interested in checking out your blog, where can they go? Uh, my website is www.kcrosswriting.com. And that's K as in the letter K? Yep. And okay. cross as in red cross. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I'll make sure that I link to that in the show notes for today's episode. Where else can people find you online? Oh, I am everywhere. So my my screen name is is usually K Cross Writing. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can follow me there under facebook.com forward slash Katie Cross Writing. Uh, my other favorite is Pinterest. 
if you're a fantasy author, I have tons of fantastic fantasy inspiration boards like hairstyles and, and mountainscapes and like magic and potions. And, and then I have a whole bunch of chiclet boards with tons of amazing food pictures. Um, so definitely check me out on Pinterest and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you there. Wonderful. And I love that you're on Pinterest. Like, I have this problem, though, on Pinterest where I like I, I don't surface like I'll go into Pinterest and then I'll be like <laughs> 10 days later and I'll be like, oh, my gosh, I'm still on Pinterest. So I have to like That's the best way to say it. You don't surface. <laughs> There's no way to get air. No, you're just no. there. <laughs> you're just there. You're just drowning in Pinterest and it's wonderful. So <laughs> it is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Katie, this has been such a delightful conversation. Thank you so much for just everything, for your time, for your expertise, for your willingness to share your wisdom and your growth and your successes with us. This has been just insanely energizing. I kind of started off, it's been a long day and I start off this interview like, okay, hi, but now I'm like, yay, I can't wait to go forth and write 20 books. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you for being an inspiration. Oh my gosh, thank you. Your podcast is definitely one of my favorites. I love listening to it. So thank you for having me. Thank you, Katie. Please do keep in touch. And everyone go out and buy Katie's books. Yes. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Thank you. All right.